much, Morton Thompson, for being on my first podcast for Help for Hip Dysplasia. It's a pleasure to have you here with us. Um, it's a pleasure to be with you. Uh, fantastic. I um, I know you've done another few interviews recently um, about your hip dysplasia. Um, so thank yeah. you for coming on and doing another one. Um, I just wanted to start by introducing you to everybody as somebody who's been a massive inspiration to me. Um in the hip dysplasia world. So I believe that you've obviously um, been diagnosed with hip dysplasia yourself. Um, I believe that uh, diagnosis was back in 2015 or was that the date that you had your surgery? Um, no, the, the surgery was in 2015. Uh, I was diagnosed in 2014. And how did that diagnosis come about? What what brought it on? Did you start with pain or were you sort of, yeah, how did that process start? I having a, a lot of pain in my groin. I was traveling with the Danish badminton inspiration team in Asia mm -hmm. and yeah, I started feeling a lot of pain and I just thought that it was something uh, muscular but it, when I came home I started to, uh, at the physio and we couldn't really figure out what was going on so in the start he thought that uh, it was cam or a pincer meaning that there was a some extra bone on my hip but um, then I was uh, x-rayed and they found out that it was a hip dysplasia. So um, how long did that process take from having the pain to getting the diagnosis because I know a lot of people struggle um, getting yeah. that diagnosis and it can take quite a long time for that diagnosis to come through so was that quite a simple process for you? Oh, uh, I think it actually went uh, quite fast. Uh, I was going to the physio for a couple of months um, I was so lucky at the time I had a a private insurance. Uh, oh well, that that's so that's great. That helped, <laughs> helped a lot, <laughs> speeding up the process. So so I think it went quite fast. Um, then I when doing the surgery, I had to do it public because it was something that I was born with, so my my insurance wouldn't cover it. Mm -hmm. um, but. Then I think it was in November or something, I was diagnosed and then I got the surgery in late June 2015. So about sort so of six, six, seven months. Everything went quite well. That's that's fantastic. So um, you obviously went through that diagnosis phase quite quickly and you were lucky enough to be able to get the surgery again sort of within seven months of that diagnosis. So that's, that's yeah. brilliant. So going back to then when you got the pain when you were playing badminton, did it yeah. did it stop you playing? Did it um did it affect your your technique? Yeah, it did. Um, we were with the Danish badminton racing team. We were traveling for two months in Asia, and for the last month, I didn't play any badminton at all. That must have been very frustrating for you. Yeah, it was. It was because just before we took off, um, my knee just got fixed uh, in February. I smashed my meniscus so I was just <laughs> back on the court so it was really frustrating um, yeah so it it just it was a hard time being in Asia um, knowing that I couldn't play and watch all the other plays every day and I obviously love to play so and um, and, and we're obviously skipping a few phases here, but is it something that you hope to or have gotten back to doing again, your badminton? Yeah, um, I have played badminton ever since, and 
now that I'm training for the Ironman, I, I have stopped playing badminton, but I'm still being a coach. So I'm still in, uh, in contact with badminton in my daily oh, life. Oh, fantastic. So I, I don't um, think it's anything I will ever skip. That's fantastic. I, I used to play myself, so where uh, I can definitely sort of relate to your love of badminton. Um, so after you'd had your surgery, just um, for our other listeners out there, would you mind telling us a little bit about the surgery that you had? Did you have a PAO? Yeah, it was a PAO, GANS operation, um, the one designed by the Danish doctor Kjell Søbel, mm-hmm. meaning that they were cutting my hip into two and then they were changing the angles that, that the bone fit into the hip and then they were putting it all together with three screws mm-hmm. um, yeah and after the surgery um, I had to walk with crutches for two months um, before I could start walking myself and for about the first five six weeks I could only put around 30 kilograms of pressure on the left leg mm-hmm. So um, do you do you remember waking up from your surgery and how did you how did you feel when you came around? <laughs> um, well, uh, I remember waking up doing the surgery, where I felt very bad because I lost a lot of blood. Mm-hmm. Um, very un- very unusual for for this surgery. Um, so they were just coming down and say, just don't worry, Morten, we're just giving some blood. So you actually woke up, you woke up during the surgery? Yeah, I did. Oh, wow. Uh, And that was a little weird. (laughs) (laughs) That's an understatement. uh, And then I woke up uh, again when they were putting the the clips in in my hip to stick it all together. And then I was just, wow, that's noisy. And then I fell asleep again. Yeah. <laughs> that's and quite a unique experience yeah. I've not heard of anybody waking yeah. up during the surgery before I think there's been films about uh, that <laughs> and then I was waking up um, a little later and I was so dizzy um, uh, yeah and oh, it was like I was a little high mm-hmm. have, understandable as I have been told being very loud and also, kind of a fun guy, making jokes <laughs> all over the place. <laughs> and uh, I was not likely to do that at that time. So, it yeah. was a little weird. <laughs> My mom was uh, with me and she told me, Morten, you, you have to be quiet now, you are really noisy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you said you were really dizzy when you woke up. Um, how long yeah. was it after you um, came round that you were able to stand? Because I know more recently, um, in recent times, people get up a lot quicker. When I had my surgery, um, I had to lay down for two weeks after um, my surgery. I was casted from chest to toe, so I couldn't bend in the middle. And I had to lay down for two weeks after the surgery. So when I first got up two weeks later, um, I got up and I just passed out and I just flopped back down onto the bed again, um, lost consciousness. (laughs) And uh, that created a bit of a laughter for family and friends as well. But... Um, how long did it take you to be able to stand after you'd come round? Well, they, they actually tried to get me up in the night um, after the surgery. On the same but, day? Uh, yeah, on the same day, but I was feeling very bad after the surgery because I've lost a lot of blood and 
haven't didn't haven't gotten any food or anything, so I was really busy. So, but the next morning they were getting me up and they were trying to get me walking with the crutches and it yeah it hurt a lot. So I think I was liking like walking like ten meters and then I I stopped because of the pain. Yeah, that's not surprising. It's it's major surgery. Um... Yeah. And I, yeah, so I, I think it's great that we're sort of starting to spread some awareness and you're doing a great job of that with um, with all your social media and just sort of spreading awareness of what this condition is and what we have to go through and just um, yeah. being able to Thank help you. other people support other people that are going going through the same. Um, so you, I assume you had some physio pretty soon after your surgery. Did you Do you remember your physio yeah. and did they make quite an impact on you? And they did, they did. Uh, in the start I was of course a little nervous because I'm the person I like to go fast forward um, <laughs> and of course I was a little nervous that I was going too fast. Actually the physio I started with was also a little nervous because I was of course in a, in a really good, good physical shape because of my badminton and so I had quite big legs so I was pretty strong already a few weeks after the surgery, meaning that compared to most others, I could put more weight on in my exercises. Mm-hmm. Um, so the physio, of course, made a, a big impact also to get me watch a little out for myself. Um, Had to slow you down, actually, rather than um, get you to speed up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so do and you remember that? Sorry. Find out that I was I was strong, and then uh, they pushed me a little and. It, it went all well and of course I was sometimes in a little pain after the, the exercises but uh, that's completely normal I think. So do you remember the first exercises that you were given? Yeah I do. do, do. Uh, I also have some videos. Oh do you? That would be my... great. Um, it hurted like, sorry to the word, crap. <laughs> like crap it yeah was, that's that's uh, definitely a phrase that we use over here in the painful. uk the first exercise i got was simply just to, to stand and then try to lift my leg and in the start i could barely lift my my leg two centimeters so it it just shows that it's a major surgery and it really hurt it a lot so um, you, you had to start lifting your leg and standing. Um, you'd obviously been doing some walking <laughs> practice. Um, what, what came next? Yeah. Um, then I started um, doing, yeah, I did that a lot. And then uh, I started trying to make some side steps with uh, elastic bands to strengthen my glutes. Um, and then I also did some bridges uh, again to, to strengthen my glutes and um, tried to to lay on the back and then push my legs together mm-hmm. on the wall um, to strengthen up. Um, so that was much of what I was doing for the first two months. And then, of course, we were putting some progression on the, the exercises, making them harder. Mm-hmm. So, so much of it was to, yeah, strengthen the gluteus and, um, of course, also um, all the tendons in the in the leg mm-hmm. because they 
were so so crappy after the surgery. Yeah, understandable. How long did it take you um to become fully weight bearing without needing the crutches or any sort of well, other aids? Uh, it took me around seven, eight weeks. Um, after six weeks, I I've started walking with only one crutch. And That's then amazing. After seven, eight weeks, I tried to just walk without uh, a small distance. And then after eight weeks, I completely dropped the crutches and I was walking by myself. Of course, it was a little weird in the start because I was used to putting a, a lot of weight on my on, on my right leg. But um, after eight, eight and a half week, I was back to normal and was walking completely normal again. Oh, that's absolutely fantastic and then maybe that's due to your sheer determination and uh and drive like i said like you said they had to slow you down a little bit so um maybe you've reached that a little <laughs> bit quicker than the average person but that just goes to show how dedicated so. you were I to really your recovery so. yeah absolutely yeah. um well, so... in, the, in that connection be, with me being insane uh, I, was <laughs> on the, on, I was on the bike in the in the gym after a week and at that time i wasn't starting at the physio yeah, so when I told them that I was on the bike the bar, already, yeah, like they were told me, telling me that you're insane. Why are you doing that? <laughs> well, one of you guys told me to, so I did that. <laughs> so, what what point was it in your recovery after the surgery that you decided to do this Ironman? Um, well, it's actually quite new. Um, uh, my cousin's boyfriend is a professional Ironman and he inspires me a lot um, and then one of my old high school teachers uh, have been doing an Ironman so he's also kind of an inspiration mm -hmm. so it was first uh, about a year ago that I was thinking that oh it could actually be fun to, to try to do a triathlon uh, um, uh, a year ago, I was training for my first half marathon, mm -hmm. um, and it been surprisingly well. So, I w I always like to challenge myself. So, I thought, what would the next step be? And that was, for me, obviously, uh, to do a triathlon. And then I decided that I want to push myself a lot. So, <laughs> be the the full Ironman I will chase for. Oh, that's I mean that's incredible and um, I sort of relate to that sort of where I am at the beginning of your journey now I've sort of managed to do a half marathon this year um, and yeah. I, I would absolutely love to be able to to do the things that you're doing now like I said it's it's a true inspiration to me um, but taking you back to that first half half marathon um, yeah. did you did you find at any point that you struggled with your hip so are you know are you in any pain with it now and does it affect your training or um, sometimes um, I'm sometimes very stiff uh, mm -hmm. in my muscles uh, around the hip and it's something I, I have to be very aware of um, because if I'm not doing my stretches for the groin I, I will definitely feel some pain and it's just feeling very stiff and making me uncomfortable in some situation mm -hmm. the pain is sometimes not at the same level as it was before the surgery but there is sometimes some pain um, and it can vary between being there for 10 and 10 minutes and sometimes it's there for two days but fortunately i i know how to 
to cover the pain doing stretches and different exercises. Mm. So that I know helps me a lot, uh, making me feel comfortable. So, so which stretches do you find are the most beneficial to you? Because again, a lot of our listeners will have been through um, this periastabular yeah. osteotomy. Um, so any other advice I, would be great. Uh, I don't know the name of all of them, <laughs> but uh, the frog stretch, stretch uh, is helping me a lot. Frog? Yeah. Um, oh, yes. In the yoga position where you're sort yeah, of on exactly, your knees, exactly. you take your knees out to the side and you lean forwards. Is that is that the same one? Uh, yeah, 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 exactly, brilliant. exactly. Um, and then also another one where I'm putting uh, one leg in front of the other, mm-hmm. um, and then the the back leg, uh, I'm placing the knee on the ground, and then just try to uh, to reach the ground with my upper body. Ah, uh, oh, so um, I th- I think uh, again, it's sort of yoga terms. They might call yeah. that the lizard or the dragon, and um, where you're in a forwards lunge and trying to lower yeah, your exactly. body down. Yep absolutely fantastic i love that one i do that all the time um yeah, i use a, a program yeah. called romwod i don't know if you've heard of it it's uh, called range no. of movement workout of the day um and it gives you a different routine to do every day yeah. um and the ex- nice. those two stretches that you've talked about are in there really regularly so i i love those and i can relate to how much better they can make you feel um yeah they, they really helps a lot also covering up the pain absolutely is is there any other strategies that you use for your pain apart um, from stretching yeah i also use the the goblet squat a lot actually uh, sitting with a kettlebell uh, mm-hmm. and then try to move around uh, and come deeper um i have played a lot of football earlier in my life so i'm maybe unusual to most hip dysplasia patients uh, very stiff so uh, i can get very far down so it's also something that i work with and then try to open up my hip by pushing my elbows to to my knees absolutely i mean it takes a lot of discipline to to be able to keep that deep squat position um it's it's difficult to get it (laughs) (laughs) once you get it you don't want to lose it because it takes a bit of time to get down there yeah, exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. So that again, that's fantastic. You're doing your strength training, you're doing mobility training, you're stretching really regularly. You know, again, sort of true inspiration to to people of what you know we can be doing to to help ourselves. So that's fantastic. Um, in relation to the Ironman training that you're doing, obviously, um, for some people out there that don't necessarily know what an Ironman consists of, correct me if I've got this wrong, but you're going to be doing three point eight kilometers of swimming. 180 kilometers on the bike and 42.2 kilometers on a run that's a full marathon at the end of that um yeah that's a hell of a lot of training um (laughs) so um i mean which of those disciplines do you do you like the most that would definitely be the bike yeah um i'm really good at going into the zone and just being myself and then yeah, I have always spiked a lot when I was younger. I was a little chubby, so <laughs> I couldn't really run. So, so I had to bike instead. So, that would definitely be the the bike that is my favorite part. Definitely. Okay. So, um, if that's your favorite, which one do you like the least? Definitely the swim. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a very good swimmer, but uh, I'm working on it. Uh, and right now I'm swimming three, four times a week to, to get better. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still not very good. So it will be my weakest discipline 
Absolutely. So uh, it's it's August, if I'm not mistaken, isn't it, of this year yeah. that you're doing the Ironman? August 18th. August the 18th. Um, yeah, so yeah, a few months away. How are you feeling about it? Do you feel yeah. ready? Yeah, I feel, um, I feel quite ready. Um, next Saturday, I will be doing a, a half Ironman. In, so to, to do kind of a test on the last weekend, I was making a, a quarter of an Ironman and it did... It went really well, um, so I am really confident that uh, both the half and the full Ironman will, uh, will go well as well. Oh, that's absolutely brilliant news. I um, yeah. Again, I have full sympathies for you with your training. Um, my girlfriend's actually doing an Ironman later this year as well. She's oh. doing it in July. <laughs> yeah, so I'm um, very familiar with the training that she's having to do. Um, yeah. And I know how much time it takes out of your week in addition to working. So, um, again, true dedication and discipline there with all the training it's, that you're having to do. Yeah. Um, it takes a lot. It really, really does. But the satisfaction when you get over that finish line, I'm sure, will just be the most incredible feeling. Um, I, really, I really hope so. <laughs> and um, I, I know you've got a page to help raise some funds because something like this takes a lot of money to um, to yeah, be able to do. Um, so I don't know if you wanted to just tell people about your page just in case there's anybody that truly sympathises and wants to help you out <laughs> along your journey. So um, yeah, tell people about your donate page. Yeah, um, it's a, a crowdfunding page called sponsor.me or dot .me. Um, where I have been shortly been telling my story of going from hips plus to towards the Ironman. And of course, it's uh, a very expensive to uh, to do an Ironman. And I hope really that I can raise some money. The, the plan by the crowdfunding is also to, to raise some money so that I can make some more videos or, of my training exercises that I believe can help hip dysplasia patients. Uh, but of course, that also requires a video camera and, and stuff like this. And that's unfortunately also a bit expensive. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, that's my plan because, as you also said, my, my biggest goal is to inspire people to, to overcome the surgery and all the pain that they are feeling. Absolutely, you and me both. So um, perhaps uh, perhaps we can continue to look to collaborate further in the future with um, with the work that we do to help and inspire other people along the way. Um, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so um, just sort of going back to the back to the surgery, um, I just wondered whether you can think back to a moment that you felt was the hardest um, because again a lot of our listeners will be going through this as we speak and you know to know that other people are feeling yeah. similar things was there a moment that you felt was the most challenging or the most difficult well the first week of the surgery was the hardest is probably the hardest i have ever tried um feeling that you couldn't do anything getting help to, to anything that you do it, it's it's was it was a really hard time um did you have a lot of support of around you was just to to get on the side mm -hmm. i was also always uh, laying on the back and just turning onto the side almost made me cry because the pain was so so intense and i could just feel that 
my hip wasn't following because they have cut it into two. Mm-hmm. So I will definitely say that the first two, one, two weeks was the hardest because the pain was so massive. So if, if people can get through the first couple of weeks, then um, they should know that it's a up, uphill battle or downhill battle from there. Yeah, um, battle. That it should get a little bit easier um, following that. Yeah, not, not just for me, it was just, just not a, a little bit easier. It was much easier. It, and that, that's really reassuring. The first two weeks, it, everything was so much easier. And did you have um, a good bit of support around you? Well, uh, I was living at home at that time, so mm-hmm. so most of the time, one of my parents were home with me uh, for the first couple of weeks. Um, after that, uh, I was alone during most of the day. Mm-hmm. Then I had my backpack going around in the house when I was hungry. <laughs> That's actually a really good tip for people. <laughs> That that's something that really people can take forwards is that actually yeah take a backpack around with you for food and snacks so you don't have to keep going up to the fridge although I'm sure the regular walking would be a good part of rehab but um, just in case that's a that's a great tip there I like it <laughs> have you got any other tips for anybody that's going through this well the most important I think is start getting moving as soon as possible. Whether it is you are just trying to uh, to walk a little bit, or you are doing as I did, sitting on a bike, um, I think it's it's very important to mobilize as soon as possible. Because if you don't mobilize, I believe that you are getting in much more in much worse pain, and it's also the experience that from the people that I have been talking to that did not mobilize as quick. They were feeling a lot of pain. So my greatest advice is to, to mobilize as soon as possible. Mm. And um, of course, to uh, to know that you can speak to your physio at any time and that it will be yeah. a painful process. There's no, there's no doubt about it. And just knowing the differences between the types of pain that you get and that some pain yeah. will be good pain that you can push through. And some pain is pain that you shouldn't. So it's again just having that understanding of what you can and can't do, push yeah. through, and, and um, I think uh, that's very individual. I know my body quite well because I have played badminton for so many years, and I know what it's capable of. So for me, I was well aware of what I could do and what I couldn't. So it's also very important that you listen to yourself, of course. Absolutely. I completely agree. So, um, I mean, I, I think it would be absolutely fabulous for people to know where to find you and be able to follow your story. So um, your social media links um, on Instagram, you are... Morden Sire Thompson. Perfect. All right. So, yeah, please, everybody go and follow his journey um, help him out with support. Um, as much as possible and um, definitely keep following for these videos that might be coming up for people to be able to yeah learn a little bit more and be able to Im- improve their own self-management of the condition that's what we're all all hoping to do so thank you so so much Morton for coming on today um, and sharing your story I really really appreciate it 
and, um, and if anyone have any questions uh, at all don't hesitate to write me or try to answer the best i can that's absolutely brilliant thank you so much